Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into the Word. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that Your Word is truth. And Lord, I pray this morning as we, Your people, gather to hear the preaching of Your Word, that You would speak. Lord, that You would give us those eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts to receive it, Lord. And Father, I pray that most importantly, that it would ultimately draw us near to Jesus Christ that we would be drawn into your presence, that we would be transformed, that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that our minds would be washed in the Word, not washed in the world. Lord, that we would focus on you and that you would guide our steps, we pray. We give this to you. We give our lives to you. We give this community to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Anyone make a New Year's resolution this year? Anybody? Anyone who made a New Year's resolution still going with that New Year's resolution? <laughs> I, have this, I have this terrible habit of, I don't know about if it's true for anyone else here, but I have a terrible habit of having about 15 books on the go where I read, I, like I get excited about a book and so I'll read three or four chapters, maybe five chapters, and then I'll get excited about another book. So I'll pick up that book and I'll read a few chapters of that and think I'll come back to this one. But then I get excited about another book and I just keep doing that. Is that anybody else in, in this place have that problem? So um, I made a New Year's resolution just quietly, just by myself. I wasn't publicising it because I knew it could be trouble. But I said to myself, I'm just gonna read one book at a time. And my goal was that I'll finish like each fortnight, just tick off a book, get on to the next one, just start at the beginning, persist all the way through, finish it and move on to the next. It's now January 9th and um, I am two and a half books on the go, <laughs> halfway through one of them, a quarter of a way through another of them. So the New Year's resolution isn't doing all that well. But the problem was I went to Kmart and I walked past and I saw Dave Grohl's autobiography. And you can't walk past Dave Grohl and think, you know, I'll just pick that up later. It just got me excited. Um, you know, the stats on New Year's resolutions show that 64% of resolutions are abandoned within one month. 80% of resolutions, New Year's resolutions are abandoned within two months. And apparently only 8% of people actually fulfil a New Year's resolution and carry on with it. Isn't that interesting? I've thought about this and like, why is that the case? Why is it that we struggle so much when it comes, we, we have this conviction at the beginning of a year, which we want to become a commitment, but so rarely are able to follow through. And I think it has to do with a couple of things. I think one is that fundamentally, we don't truly believe, like at, at the beginning, we might think this is a good idea. This is something that seems like a good thing to do. I, I, I know this could be good for me, but fundamentally, we don't really believe, we don't truly believe within us that that object, that, um, that desire, the, the outcome that we want to grasp and walk into is more important than the immediacy of my comfort. 
that we have this goal to say, I wanna get fit, I wanna get healthy, so I'm gonna commit to it. But the, the commitment to that, the belief that this is a good thing for me to do is not more important than the bowl of nachos that's put right in front of me in that moment. And so we tend to, we tend to struggle because the, the desired outcome actually pales in comparison to the desire for immediacy. And so we actually choose comfort over commitment 92% of the time. And it got me thinking about, well, what is it about that 8%? That 8% that actually enables us to press on. You know, as a church, as a church leadership, we sat down the end of last year and we made some resolutions. We didn't call them resolutions, but that's what they were. These ideas of what are the things that we want to press into as a church? What's the stuff that God's calling us to do? And there's so many great ideas, so many uh, wonderful things that the Lord sort of brought to us. Things like leadership development, um, missional action, you know, community engagement, intergenerational relationship building. The, the, they're all really good things. But as I sat there, particularly over the last couple of weeks, thinking about these things, the reality is that they're just going to become like every other resolution unless there's something that causes us to be captivated by those things. They just become another thing we're going to do. And they'll just become another thing that as life gets busy and as stuff happens in life, that ultimately will fall to the side at the pressing need directly in front of us. Unless they move from being something that we do to an overflow of who we are. And that's when a resolution sticks. That's when an action sticks. It's because it goes from being something that I have to do. It goes from being this thing of striving to actually this surrender to this is who I actually am. It becomes a part of us. We genuinely, truly believe that this is good for me. It becomes an intrinsic part of my identity and therefore it's an overflow. Does that make sense? And the same is true for us with church that we can say we wanna do these things. We can have these great goals, these, all these awesome stuff that we wanna do, but none of it will stick if it's just stuff we do. Where it will land is if it becomes something about who we are. And the only way these things like wanting to develop leaders, wanting to uh, evangelise, wanting to develop intergenerational connections, wanting to, to see mission move forward, the only way that grows, the only way that gets solidified is if it becomes a part of who we are. And the only way it becomes a part of who we are is if we actually have a different priority that supersedes all of them. And that is intimacy with Jesus. That is actually when we understand that Christianity is not about programs. Christianity is about a person. The church, as much as we wish it was about us, is not about us. It's not about people and what we want. It is about a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The church is a people about a person. 
And that's what we need to be about. We need to recognise that fundamentally all of these things, these good things that we wanna do will become a part of our nature. They will, they will flow out of us as we are connected to Christ, as we are connected to the source of all these things, which is Jesus. And so we sat down as a leadership and said, well, all these things are great and we, you know, we're gonna encourage people on that and we can plan and we can program and we can do all of these things. But 2022 for us is about intimacy with Jesus Christ. 2022 is about bringing people to that place of trust, of relationship with the living God. And if we can get to a point where as a church, our eyes are on Him, we're walking with Him, I guarantee you mission will happen. I guarantee you evangelism will happen. I guarantee you people will start to care for each other and look after each other. It's the overflow of Christ in me, the hope of glory. That we would be a church that seeks first the kingdom, that seeks first Christ, that desires intimacy with the living God. Intimacy. What is intimacy? Intimacy is a very human thing. It's this idea of nearness. It's this idea of of drawing close to someone, of uh, vulnerability, of opening our, our hearts up, opening spaces in our lives up as we welcome someone else into that place. And fundamentally, friends, intimacy is actually really intrinsically linked with trust, isn't it? Like you have intimacy with someone who you trust. If you don't trust someone, are you gonna let them near? Are you gonna let them in? No. But it's as we, as we trust, as trust grows, intimacy grows. As trust goes, intimacy with grows. But trust is connected to truth. Because if someone is, is telling lies, if you know that someone is a liar or something is not true, then you're not gonna trust it. You're not gonna sit on a seat that you don't trust the engineering of. They can, an engineer can say, hey, that seat's gonna you know, hold together. But when you look at it and it seems awfully flimsy and you think that the engineer is lying about that chair, you're not gonna sit on it because you're gonna end up falling over. And so trust and truth go hand in hand. And as the truth is proclaimed, as we, as we fill our minds, as we focus on what is true and we focus on who Jesus is and the truth of His Word, this is why we tell people, like we encourage people, read the Word. It's why as a church, we're doing the Bible in a year and we're saying, let's do that. Let's read the Word, not just because it's a good thing to do, but because it is truth. And because Jesus is the living Word and as truth is proclaimed, it will grow trust, which will lead to Intimacy, it will enable us to draw near to the one who spoke the very living word into existence. And as we draw near to Christ and He draws near to us, then we begin to see our lives transformed. We begin to see the outworking of faith. And so everything we do is gonna be about intimacy with Jesus. It's gonna be about encouraging, exhorting, Everything is about intimacy with Him. And so today, as we 
officially kickstart 2022 as we start January 9. I know we had a service last week and how good was the sharing service? But I just felt like the Lord said, just preach on me. (laughs) Just talk about me. Just talk about Jesus. So that's what I'm going to do. We're just going to talk about Jesus. I want to proclaim the truth of who He is. Allow that to wash over us. And my prayer, my deep prayer for each and every one of us is as the truth of Jesus, as we sit with the truth of Jesus, that we are more and more drawn into that place of intimacy. And to do that, I want to take us to Luke chapter 10. This really fascinating little passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. If you've got your phones or your Bibles, you can turn there now. But from Luke 10, 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, everyone say Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Famous verse, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Scholars debate, they go back and forth about two Marys in the Bible, Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany. So this Mary and another Mary and For a long, long time, many scholars would have said that Mary of Bethany and Mary Magdalene were the same person, one and the same, one and the same person. That Mary of Bethany, somewhere along the way, got caught up in a lifestyle of all sorts of things that are not good, children in the room or in the outside. And that she went down this life and that she had this encounter with Christ and Christ was the one who sort of saw her world transformed and brought her back to her family and our early church fathers, these guys would have, would have talked about these Marys being the, the one and the same person. Early Catholic church will, and the Catholic church today will confess that these two Marys are one and the same person. It was around the Protestant Reformation time that we started to teach that these are two different people. But more and more there's this, this drawing back now in academic circles to say that these two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany are one and the same. And if they are, it makes for a fascinating case study of intimacy. Because as we come to this passage and we say, Mary comes into, she's in her sister's home, the home where she's probably living. And Jesus comes in with His disciples and Jesus comes with this intention to teach and to to minister to a whole bunch of people. And the appropriate thing for Mary to do is to be in a different room with all of the other women preparing what needs to be prepared for the teacher who has come. And yet Mary chooses to not do that. Mary chooses to enter the room with the men, probably with those men looking at her sideways saying, what are you doing here? And yet she sits at Jesus' feet and she's captivated by Him. And as she sits and she draws near to Him, I can't help but ask myself, what does she see? What is it that has happened in Mary's world? What has gone on in 
in her life that causes her to come to this place where she sits at His feet and honestly doesn't care about the consequences. Doesn't care about the politically correct thing to do in this moment, but she has seen this man, Jesus, and the only thing that she can do, her one response must be, I am going to sit here in His presence and look upon Him and learn from Him. What is it that she's seen? Somewhere along the way, Mary has encountered the living God. First and foremost, when we talk about Jesus, we are talking about, yes, He is a person. She's sitting at the feet of a person, but He is the God-man. He is God incarnate. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who comes for humanity in might and power, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, wonderful counsellor, the government will be upon His shoulders. This is who she is. Somewhere along the way, this woman who was struggling and, and caught up in sin and all sorts of things has had an encounter with this Jesus and He has touched her, whether by word, whether it was tangible, we don't know, but something's happened where she has been radically set free from demonic oppression. And her world has been transformed from the top to the bottom. Everything is different at one encounter with this, this Jesus. You see, others see a teacher, others see maybe a prophet, others see someone interesting, but Mary sees someone who has radically changed her life and it shifts the way that she acts. She realises that, Yes, I wanna serve Him. Yes, I wanna do things for Him. Yes, I wanna honour Him. But more than that, I want to be with Him because of who He is and what He has done for me. I can't help think that just maybe, you know, Mary, I love what it says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the Son of the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Mary has caught a glimpse of that reality. My question is, have we? Is church a religious act that we do occasionally? Do I understand that not just on a Sunday, but every morning His mercies are new, every moment of the day, the living God, the one who upholds all of creation in His right hand has come to have intimacy with me. He has come to have intimacy with you. He is drawing you to Himself saying, come, follow me. Do you understand that this morning? Do we understand as we come to 2022, no matter what is going on in the world, the living God has come for you to have relationship, intimacy with you. Hebrews 
One, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He also made the universe. This man, this Jesus who sits in front of Mary is the one who made the universe. Look around you. This is not an accident. It's not an accident. The living God made the Jesus Christ as God spoke the living Word. He spoke all of this into being. He upholds the universe in the power of His right hand. He sustains all of it. And He hung on a cross for you. That you would know that in Him is life. That we would know that in Him is life and He's drawing us to Himself. He longs for intimacy with His creation. Does that not blow your mind, church? The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. In John 14, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In John 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Friends, Jesus is God. Mary, as she sits at the feet of Jesus, is encountering the living God. And we have that same invitation today to encounter the living God. Church is not just a religious activity that we do. It is not a box we tick. It is not a good thing to do. No, it is God's people. It is His means through which He longs for the world to know that He has come. That we are supposed to be a people walking intimately with Him, that He is all in all, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we would not be a people who have a form of godliness, but deny its power. The power is the person of Jesus Christ and He longs by His Spirit to indwell His people, that we would walk in His power. That we would see this radical transformation, not because we're striving or we feel like we have to do it or should do it because it's good. No, because He is alive in us and it is the overflow of intimacy. It's what happens when we walk with Jesus, we see transformation. And Jesus has transformed Mary's life. And so in this moment, she chooses what He says is better, which is to sit at her feet. Jesus, I love what Darlene Check wrote where she said, Jesus is the darling of heaven. The darling of heaven. He is the object of heaven's affection. We looked at this in the book of Revelation 4 and 19. What's happening in heaven? What's happening in heaven? There's multitudes of angels, there's living creatures, there's elders around the throne and all of them are looking at Jesus. This is why our theme for Christmas was all eyes on Jesus. That's what our theme for 2020, everything is about Jesus and drawing us to that place of awe and wonder at who He is. If heaven is in awe, if the elders are falling at their feet, so should we. 
How is it that we manage to stand when the elders are falling at their feet in worship? The presence of this glorious King of Kings. He is the King. He is the darling of heaven. The floor of his throne room is a sea of glass representing his purity. The rainbow hangs over the throne as a representation of the promise which he's come to fulfill. He is all in all. And he longs for intimacy with us. So much so that this glorious King of heaven who upholds all of eternity, who upholds the whole universe, came and became a seed in a woman's womb. Just think about that for a second. The humility of God. Does it not blow your mind? Born in a manger. Walking the earth, ministering, encountering people like Mary, encountering people all over, reaching them touching those who no one would touch, speaking to those who no one would speak to, loving the lost and the desperate, challenging the arrogant and the proud. And he lives his life as a picture of perfection, drawing people to himself. And this same King of heaven, this, this glorious, wonderful King didn't stop there but subjected himself to disgrace. Why? That you and I would know him intimately. That you and I would walk in his life. This king of heaven had his beard ripped out. This king of heaven spat on, beaten, tied to the whipping post so that the very hands of the humans that he created could flog his back. And here's the thing that struck me this week is that they tied him, but they didn't have to because he would have held on anyway. I'll say that again in case it didn't move you. They tied him, but they didn't have to because he would have held on anyway. Such is his love for his people. That's our King. That's who Jesus is the God of heaven who gave himself and subjected himself to that, ultimately being hung on a cross, suffering for the sins of humanity, that we might be washed, that we might know the truth and the truth would set us free, that he would bear in his flesh the curse of sin and death and that the curse of sin and death, which rested upon us, would hop onto his flesh and on his shoulders and that his life would be imparted and imputed to us that we might walk in the fullness of that life. How good and glorious and mighty is this Jesus? He is the name above all names. He's the name that should be on our lips. And I just feel that over the last 18 months, churches, people everywhere, Christians, we've lost our focus. The name that we're lifting up is not the name of Jesus. We spend more time talking about a virus. We spend more time talking about politics, more time talking about government. We should be talking about Christ. 
We should be lifting up the name of the living God. And as we set our eyes there and focus on Him and we say, I'm gonna draw near to you because you first draw near to me. All the stuff that we long to see will be the overflow of His Spirit at work in our lives. Intimacy with Christ is what we should be longing to pursue. Sitting at His feet. Mary's sitting at His feet. Do you know the fascinating thing about Mary in this moment? She's sitting at His feet. The Bible tells us that later on, that same Mary was at the cross. Now we don't know, maybe Martha was there, but the Bible doesn't mention Martha's name. Martha was the one working and striving and doing. Mary was the one sitting. But when push came to shove and the Lord's hanging on a cross, Mary's the one that's still there. You see, where there was striving, there was no sustaining. Yet when there was surrender, there was enduring faith. This Jesus who hangs on a cross and dies for the sins of humanity, the awesome thing about it is he doesn't stay there, does he? He doesn't stay there. I love the idea that the curse of sin is death. Jesus had no sin, so death comes and takes Jesus and in so doing, death itself sins and subjects itself to its own curse. So Jesus takes sin and death to the grave and as He takes them to the grave, sin and death right there are buried. And for all who would choose to walk in faith, in Christ, we walk in life. We come under the covering of the living God. We come under the salvation work of the living God Himself, Jesus Christ, who's defeated sin and death, and therefore risen from the grave. And as we celebrate Him, as we die to self, we live for Him, we draw near to Him, we say, take my life. We walk in the fullness of His life, life forevermore. The curse of sin and death is broken in Christ, friends. And we walk in that reality. But more than that, He doesn't just be content with rising from the grave, does He? It says that He ascends to the right hand of the Father. And now He's seated. It said He's seated at the right hand of the Father. I wonder if Mary saw this. I wonder if there was a prophetic eye that she saw that this is who He is, the King of glory, now seated at the right hand of the Father, giving His Spirit, drawing us to Himself. And the day is coming when He will return, when He will come back, drawing all those who have placed their hope in Him, all those who have said yes to Him, all those who have said you above all other things, yes to Jesus, drawing us into the glorious presence of God for all of eternity. And it didn't happen through striving. It doesn't happen by us ticking the boxes. It doesn't happen by us slowly but surely working our way to righteousness. No, faith is a gift. It's a gift of surrender. It's a gift that we are so blessed to receive. You know, I remember um, our oldest son turns 11 in February and that has gone extremely quickly. And I remember as we were driving through the roads, driving to the hospital, you know, I'm sort of 
driving at whatever breakneck speed to get there as fast as you can. And then the whole ordeal of labour and all of that. And then you hold this child in your arms. And then a few days later, they tell you, you can take him home. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> you're going to give me this responsibility of taking this kid home? And I'll never forget putting him in the car seat in the back and driving at about 15 kilometres an hour, like all those, those same roads that you've whizzed through before. And I try to get there. Now it's like puttering along in second gear, looking back, being like, man, is his neck okay? Is he going to be all right? Having this distinct revelation that from that moment on, my life would never be the same. Never, ever be the same. It was always going to be different. One, one lady came up to me and said, congratulations, you're going to worry every single day for the rest of your life. But I had this distinct realisation that from this moment on, life forever has changed. Why? Because it's no longer about me. It's about this son. Friends, this is what we need to understand about the Christian walk, is that the Christian walk is not just a philosophy, it's a marriage. We are married to the bridegroom. Jesus comes and He buys us at the cross at a price. And we now have the Son and therefore life is different forevermore. It cannot look the same when the Son is in our lives. When we are drawn into intimacy with the living God, things forever will change. And it's not just because they have to, it's because there's intimacy. And that's our heart, friends, for us as a church is that we would be a people who are drawn to intimacy. This Mary in John chapter 12 comes to this Jesus and she anoints him with perfume and she pours perfume all over him. And he says that she is anointing him for his burial. There's an extravagance that comes. Why? Judas said that should have been sold for money and given to the poor. He said, you know, we should be doing stuff with this. But Mary understood the moment because she understood the man. My prayer for us is that we would know Christ, that we would know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering that we would walk in intimacy with the living God. And in so doing, what do we see? Mary at the tomb becomes the first evangelist. When Jesus rises from the dead, Mary goes out and she starts telling people about Jesus. It has to flow from the overflow. It flows from the overflow of Christ in us. And so Marty, you can come up and we're gonna close. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. When Jesus says, I and the Father are one, he then makes this comment, he says, they'll never be snatched from my hand. What will we choose this year? How will we live this year? Will we be the people who run around? Will we do the stuff that's right to do? Or will we come to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Will we sit right there? Do you know, you never graduate from Jesus. You know that? You never graduate from the Gospel. There's no greater stake than the Gospel of all that Jesus has done. You can never hear it enough. You can never focus on Him enough. You can never worship Him enough. He is all in all. What will we do this year? Where will our eyes be this year? Where will our hearts be this year? Where will our focus be this year? Can we put them on Christ? Can we begin to rest in Him? Before Jesus said go, He said come. Before He said go and make disciples, He said come follow me. And He said, and I will make you. Come follow me and I will give you rest. And then when he says go, he says, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Friends, it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's always been about Him. All of this is about Him. Creation's about Him. Eternity's about Him. Everything's about Him. Do we see that? May our lives be all about Him. love to pray this morning and feel in my heart that there are many of us who have been doing the Christian life without Christ. Getting on with things but not walking in intimacy with Jesus. feel like the Lord as He just said, just talk about Jesus. Longs to invite us back to that, come, follow me. Come to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the simplicity of the Gospel. Come back to the power of the revelation of who Jesus is and what He has done. Come back to Jesus. Let Him become your all in all. Let Him be the apple of your eye. Let Him be the object of your affection and your attention. Come back 
to Jesus. Come, follow Him. Everything else will follow, but put first things first. And if that's you this morning, maybe you've been walking with Him for a long time, but you feel like you started walking by yourself and you've left Him somewhere over here. I wanna pray with you that we would walk with Him as He walks with us, that we would invite Him to come and flood our souls from the inside out and empower us to be all that He's created us to be, to sustain us, that He's not just a resolution, He's a reformation. He's a life changer. So wherever we're at, if you want prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you. We've got a prayer team who can come and pray. But just in this moment, if that's you and you're saying, I've got to get back to walking with Jesus. I've got to get back to the simplicity of this gospel, to loving Him. I want to invite you just to raise your hand and we're going to pray together. Close your eyes if you want to, but let's just put our hands up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The simplicity of the gospel, the wonder of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord sees that hand as an act of surrender. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the supremacy of Christ. I thank you that as we see Christ, we see the Father. We thank you for your Word, that your Word is truth. And Lord, as we focus on you and your nature, I pray that you would help us to trust you, help us to lean into you, help us to yoke ourselves to you. Help us to stop striving to make things happen in our own strength. Help us to draw near to You knowing that You have first drawn near to us. Lord, let us recover the wonder of the cross. Let us recover the wonder of the resurrection. Let us recover the wonder of the ascension and the glory of Your church. We thank You that You see us. Father, forgive us for when we're running around, maybe like Martha, banging pots and pans, doing what we think needs to be done, when there was only one thing that was needed in that moment to sit at Your feet. We long for intimacy with You, Lord. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Come and fill your people afresh this morning, we pray. Flood our hearts afresh with your love, with your joy, with your mercy, with your goodness. 
We pray that the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Flood our hearts afresh, Lord. Flood our hearts afresh. May we be taken up in the splendour of your majesty. May you be our all in all. How we love you, Lord. Father, I pray for this church. That we would be a people who walk with you. That everything we do will be the overflow of a life that's walked with you, Jesus. Have your way in us. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. As far as we we're praying to say one more thing, um, you know that passage in Ephesians, uh, in Hebrews, which says that He upholds the universe. I just felt like He was saying, "Do you trust? Like, if, if you believe that I uphold the universe, do you trust me to uphold your circumstance? That there's people here who are going through all sorts of different things with all sorts of different worries and struggles." Trust Him. He's good. He loves you. And the one who made that tree grow has you. He sees you. He adores you. And He's got you. So fall on your knees. Trust Him. Listen to Him. And follow Him. Follow Him. Follow Him, follow Him, because He's the only one worth following. The only one worth following. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the Gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.